Hello and welcome back to Rich Idea Poor Idea, the podcast where I interview founders about how they got and validated their startup idea. In this episode, I'm going to be sitting down with Peter Maslik, who is the co-founder and CMO of a fintech company called Investown. Investown started back in 2021 with the mission to make investing in real estate very easy and accessible to pretty much anyone. Starting with just 20 euros, you can invest in real estate projects. And so far, they have paid out more than 850,000 euros to their investors and more than 31 million euros has been invested through their platform. I uncovered lots of great insights with Peter in this episode, mainly how did he and his co-founders come up with the idea, the steps they took to validate it and do the market research. And we also talked about the initial marketing campaigns that they did to get a lot of customers. Lots of great insights in this episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Peter. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Great to have you on. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate your time. So if you're ready, we can get started. Can you tell me a bit about your experience and what led you to coming up with the idea for InvestDown? Right, uh, of course. So before InvestDown, I've worked in a fintech in London, actually. Uh, that was most of the times that I spent in a fintech uh, was actually in London. After moving to Czech Republic, uh, you know, and the inception of InvestDown, it was a period of time where I was sort of, uh, well, first of all, looking for a new project, looking for something to dig into, but also, you know, looking at the differences between uh, Western Europe, where I've just spent the last, um, I don't know, 12 years of, of my life, and, uh, you know, between Eastern Europe or Central and Eastern Europe here Czech Republic, and sort of how I could use what I've learned there and the principles that work there, businesses that work there, and how could I bring more of that here in Czech Republic to sort of like, you know, push forward innovation, push forward uh, any of the industries that I was that I was knowledgeable in. Uh, when it comes to for investing, uh, you know, there's no secret that Central Eastern Europe uh, is is far far behind the West. I'm not even talking about the US now. Just you know, looking at the differences between UK and you know, people have a misconception and they think that it is just, for example, Czech Republic, you know, Poland, Slovakia, Ukraine, and like the eastern side of Central Europe. But even when we look at countries like Germany, you know, investing is still very much, uh, very much behind what uh, they are used to in 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 Western Europe, like for example, uh, the UK. So that was sort of the first push towards starting in Mestown. And then we just started looking. We just started looking for a good idea. Um, so this idea, you know, invest on. Obviously, you guys make it super easy and convenient for pretty much anyone to invest in real estate. Um, when you're trying to look at ideas in this like fintech space, what made you think that there was a market for such a thing in the Czech Republic and beyond? Right. So we validated the idea once. Once we went through, uh, you know, the hours and hours of reiterating what is it that we actually want to do how we want it to look and what do we want to focus on we actually uh paid for you know market validation we did our own research we did focus groups uh we talked to people you know it's the easiest way to validate any any idea as a startup founder is to get out and, and validate your product with actual people that you're trying to solve problems for all right um, so obviously talking to the customers is very important, but I want to take a step back and kind of understand uh, how did you come up with the first features of the product where, you know, really it's about uh, investments in real estate. Where did this idea come from? 
So there's two there's two lines that connected really well here. Uh, first of all, we've looked at the businesses that work uh, in Western Europe and in the US. And we've, uh, we've looked at trends and how crowdfunding as a, as a concept has been picking up in the recent years. And we've realized, you know, that nobody really does it here in Czech Republic. Well, nobody really does it at the level that, that people do it, uh, in, in, for example, in the US. Now, at the same time, we knew that these companies, they cannot enter our market, even though they're huge, huge corporations, uh, like, for example, PeerStreetFundrise.com. They're not allowed to enter European markets and serve European customers because of financial regulations between the US and, and EU. So that was the first thing. We realized we wanted to do something in the crowdfunding space. We wanted to enter that, that field. And then second line that entered into this and created the merge that ended up being Investown is, you know, the love affair of investors here with real estate. Uh, real estate is often considered sort of pinnacle in, in, of investing here in, in Europe, especially in the center and eastern part of Europe. Uh, when you say, you know, you're an investor, people don't really picture balanced portfolios. They don't picture having stocks and bonds and, and options and, and all of these things. They picture owning two, three apartments. They picture, you know, renting them out and living off of that income. That is sort of the pinnacle of investing here. So we've looked at that. We're like, okay, perfect. We've got a match here, right? Because, you know, on one hand, you have crowdfunding. You have the ability of, of merging bunch of money from a bunch of smaller investors make it behave like you know one big investor and on the other side you have real estate which is something that people trust they believe in they, there's a big big will to or, or to invest in that and you know at the same time very few people can actually afford it because it's not like everybody's got a couple of millions of crowns lying on their bank account ready to you know be dropped into a uh, into an apartment that they are going to rent out. So instead, what we did is we gave them the ability to sort of still invest in that space, you know, still participate in making a good return, a good profit from that space, but at the same time, making it very accessible for everyone. Right. So you found that it's working in the US and the UK and those other bigger countries, and you wanted to kind of replicate the experience in the Czech Republic. And Really, your solution is kind of pooling together people's money so that not one single person has to invest a huge amount. Uh, you're, you're mostly correct. Yes, basically, we, we took what worked in the US, in the UK, uh, but we just made it more available, right? Because even companies, for example, like, like I've mentioned, you know, oftentimes you will have higher entry points, uh, half a million, uh, you know, 15,000, 50,000 and so forth. We really wanted everybody to be able to take part in this. So we've dropped the entry point to 500 crowns, which translates to 20 something dollars, uh, you know, which literally means that everyone, whether you are a university student or a pensioner or you have a full blown working career, you know, everybody can take part. And when we did this, you know, the rest followed. So we simplified the user interface of massively sort of to make it understandable for everyone we've dropped all of those unnecessary and big words that investment companies use to make you feel like they are the only ones that can do what they are doing and we're trying to show that you know you can have your investments in your mobile app and you can carry them around in your pocket and sort of everyone can be that investor that you read about in the wall street journal or you know see on tv mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you made it, uh, it sounds similar to Robinhood and how easy you made investing as like, it's just a mobile app, no jargon, no difficult words that nobody can understand except the banks. 
We definitely took a page from Robin Hood's playbook. Uh, they are a massive inspiration when it comes to uh, the approach of this, you know, sort of their mission, democratizing finance and investing for everyone is something that speaks to us, obviously, uh, as well. So that we definitely draw inspiration from them, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so you come up with this idea and you think there's a market for it here. What does the first or what do the first steps of validation look like? So what are the next steps when it comes to researching? How did you find the customers? Uh, what were the questions that you asked them? Um, great question. And and it, it has a it has a quite a lengthy answer. So I'm going to try to distill it down to the most important point. Uh, this comes from a single fact that and that is that Investown was created for everyone. Right. When you think of uh, you know of most of the apps or most of the products, you have a very clearly specifically defined target group. Whereas with Investown, it is a bit different. And we really tried to come up with a product that could be used equally by older people, younger people, people with a lot of money that want to, you know, invest seriously, but also people that, you know, are left with a thousand, two thousand crowns at the end of the month uh, to invest and they want to put it into something that's safe. So once we've put together a team and we've validated the idea with the first investors, uh, we received uh, we received the pre-seed funding. And that's what we used to validate the idea. What we did is we came up with a clickable prototype. Uh, we came up with a sort of like a pre-release version of the app, of the web platform. And we started going around people, first friends and family. That's where every founder starts, you know. Uh, so you take your friends and family, you ask them, hey, what do you think about that? Are you going to uh, try that and give me some feedback? So we used our own network for that. And once we got some first answers, we reiterated the product a little bit. We made some changes based on the feedback. And then we repeated the same thing, but with people that we didn't know. So this is where we started, started paying for focus groups. This is where we started uh, you know, going to research agencies that would, um, that would facilitate uh, these product market fits research capabilities. You mentioned that you created a clickable prototype. So I assume that you hired a designer to do this for you, or was it you or one of the other co-founders who did it? No, we did we did everything ourselves in, in the beginning. Uh, so, you know, a bunch of us learned how to do Figma designs and user user interfaces experience. And then, you know, three, uh, three of our co-founders are tech-oriented. Two of them are literally just programmers. So they've put together the clickable, the clickable prototype. Uh, we sort of... You know, every every startup has to go through this phase where you just, uh, you know, put your elbows deep into what needs to be done and you just get down and you do it. Yeah, yeah, I really like this where you kind of create a scrappy version instead of paying a lot for for the idea to be developed and you haven't even validated it. Absolutely. Uh, this is one of the biggest differences between the US and European startup scene. And that's the fact that, you know, uh, European consumers are in general much more, um, they have higher standards than the US consumers when it comes to the level of finish that the app or the product they use needs. And that's what I think is one of our biggest shortcomings. The startup founders, they're afraid of launching the product because they think it's too soon or, you know, the product is not polished enough or is not pretty enough. Uh, I really like that quote, and I don't want to uh, I don't want to misspeak, so I'm not going to say by whom it is. I have a strong suspicion that is by the founders of Dropbox, but again, I'm not sure, so uh, it might be wrong. No. But one of one of the very smart startup people said, you know, if you launch your product and you're not embarrassed by it, you launch too late. Mm, mm, mm. And I really like that. So definitely, one thing that I think 
all of the European startups should focus more on is just validate your product earlier because in the end, you know, it doesn't really matter what we think about the product and if we like the design, what matters is whether the consumers uh, who the product is meant for, whether they like it. Right, absolutely. And I mean, you know, if you if you launch an unfinished uh, version of the product, yeah, it may be that some customers would be hesitant to pay for it, but at least you will receive feedback from the start. Absolutely. And it's not like, you know, when you launch this, uh, let's say beta version, right, or version 1.0, which is basically your MVP, or it's a very shortcoming on features that you want to implement in the future. When you launch this, it's not like you dump millions into marketing right away and you're going to get masses coming and you're going to get early adopters. And these are the people that are usually the most likely to provide you feedback. And they're also the most willing to provide you feedback and stick around. And these are the people that later on you start building your community around and they will become your you know, core ambassadors, if you will. Right. That makes sense. You mentioned that you went out to talk with family and friends and then other strangers to kind of validate the idea. Uh, I'm curious, what questions were you asking them? Because I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine that for the average consumer, you know, they have a few thousand crowns left at the end of the month. They're not thinking, what do I do with them? What do I invest? But instead they're thinking, let me just keep them in my account as savings. Um, so what questions were you asking to kind of understand if they would be willing to use the solution? Uh, absolutely. Very valid. Uh, you know, they, people don't really think in, in these parts of the world, certainly they don't think like this. They they don't go, oh, what should I do with the remainders of my money? Where should I invest them? They think, okay, I saved some money. I'm going to keep them in my account. So the first step was literally this, you know, how much money do you have left at the end of the month? What do you do with it? How much money do you have saved up in total? And that's when we realized the size uh, of the potential, right? Uh, when we dug a little deeper and when we partnered with Erste Group to access some of the you know, banking data reports and things that they collect from their users, we've realized that there is a little over $1 trillion sitting in bank deposit accounts uh, you know, across the Central and Eastern Europe. 255 billions of that is in Czech Republic. Massive opportunity, right? So in the beginning, the idea wasn't even how do we get people that invest in other products investing with us? It was how do we get people that are not used to investing to invest? And how can we provide the easiest solution for them to do that? Because a lot of people are skeptical when it comes to investing. Um, you know, they don't trust. First of all, they don't trust the companies providing the services. Uh, they don't trust the services themselves. People don't really trust things like stocks, bonds, if to them is very abstract, it's something that is somewhere there in the cloud, it's supposedly there and it's supposedly yours, but you can't see it, you can't touch it, you know, and people in, in Central Eastern Europe, they are very keen on, on investing in real estate, I think specifically because they are tangible assets, you can go and you can see that house that you've invested in, you know, or you can go and see the development project and see if it's being built, and so forth. So, in the first uh, line of fire, it for us, it wasn't how can we get people to invest with us, but it was how can we get people investing in the first place. Right. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, what you mentioned about these people find stocks very abstract. And so when you hear about all of these terms, it can get a bit intimidating. But for you, you know, real estate is kind of a, I mean, it's a tangible product that you're investing in. And, you know, it mentions on your website that it's a fixed rate that you get. So that's kind of reassuring for the customer that, you know, I'm going to put in this amount every month and this is what I'm going to get back. 
how important was this like feature for your application and how did it develop? It was definitely one of the core, you know, most important features. Um, as you said, it's not filled with complex languages. And, you know, this might seem like it evolved that way, but it is actually designed that way. Uh, I saw this in my in my time, you know, when I worked in London in, in, uh, in the banking industry there. Basically, investment companies and investment banks, they design their products in a way where a normal person is intimidated by what it's said. Uh, you know, in the paperwork and in the product itself, the terms like, you know, equity, over leveraged uh, liquidity pools and so forth, they are designed in a way where you read them and you are not exactly sure what that means. You kind of have an idea, but not exactly. And that makes you feel like only that company or that person that represents that company can help you with the problem that you have. And this is a stereotype that we wanted to crush. And we wanted to shore that, you know, you don't need to use terms like that. You don't need to say equity mm-hmm. you can say, hey, here's how much money you have invested in total. You know, you don't have to say uh, the leverage on this is one to 10. You can say, hey, this is a house. This is how much it's worth. And this is the investment that you're putting in. It's that simple. Um, you know, so the fact that uh, people, when, it, when people invest, it's everything. It's backed by the property that they choose. Uh, makes them feel safe and secure. The fact that, you know, the language is simplistic enough for everyone to understand makes them happy about the product, makes them come back, makes them, you know, use it uh, with with pleasure, like make, makes them happy to use the product because they feel like they know what they're doing. Um, and last but not least, you know, the fact that you can see your portfolio growing monthly when you, when you get uh, sort of like dividends, not really dividends, but when you get, uh, the payouts on a monthly basis, you know, you don't have to wait for your investment for a quarter or for a year like it's uh, like you would usually have in these types of products. Definitely helps uh, the popularity of the app. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and you mentioned that, you know, you wanted to really convince uh, customers who are currently not investing to start investing. What were their most common objections? Was it a matter of trust that they think investments are too difficult and they don't really trust like how much return they're going to get were there any objections or was that the main one absolutely there were three main objections the one that you said was the core that was absolutely the most dominant one uh, i don't trust you i don't trust what you're selling uh this we solved this by partnering with the largest czech commercial bank mm-hmm. uh, who is part of the erste group as soon as we started using their logos as as soon as we like officially partnered with them this completely went away people trust it and people love it uh the second objection is i don't have enough money uh investing is not me because you need millions for investing we crushed that myth by allowing everyone to invest you know from 500 crowns and the third objection was i don't understand investing i don't know what's going on i don't have the education to understand it and again we addressed this by making the product as simple as possible mm-hmm, got it you mentioned that you partnered with Cheska's Sporjitelna which is my bank it's a you know very famous credible bank here uh, I would love if you could tell us how you managed to convince them to start like partnering with you and allowing your product to to be used by their customers. Right. Česká spořitelna has been really pivotal. They have been a great partner. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned, you know, they provided us with their name that we can use uh, when we say that we are a partner partner project. Um, they invested in us through their uh, CVC, Seed Starter, which is a program that invests in, in early stage uh, startups. And 
the I think I think they similar to us recognized you know the size of the opportunity. They liked the team that we've put together. Um, I'm guessing they liked the clickable model as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we basically just uh, agreed on an investment from them, and that came with a partnership. Right. Well, you know, I was talking to a founder earlier who also works in fintech, and he was you know he was telling me about how difficult it is it was to kind of get at least one person from their partner's bank to talk to them so they were like very early stage i wonder how you got you know the first conversation with jessica sportifana going uh, i can understand how uh, you know it can it can seem like a daunting thing uh, when you're trying to talk to banks and they won't respond um i think the suggestion that i would uh, that i would give here any aspiring founders that want to get into fintech is persistence you know the the more you hear no the closer the yes is usually uh, in our case uh, since we were all uh, basically founders and co-founders from fintech companies uh, previously we already had an established fintech ne network mm -hmm. uh, alan our ceo uh, and our co-founder he ran the second largest mortgage portal in the Czech Republic. Uh, you know, he basically worked with a lot of banks, uh, referring clients and henceforth. Uh, he had good contacts in, for example, Česká Spositelna as well. So for us, this was a little easier, um, but that doesn't mean that it's in, impossible for, you know, people that are first founder as well. Yeah, I understand. Um, I want to talk just about two more things. So the first is marketing. Uh, when you got the investment in order to develop the first product, what were your marketing campaigns like? What channels did you use? Was it any like Google ads or social media or anything else? Uh, when we first launched, uh, you know, the, the marketing was uh, very early stage as well as the product, right? So it was, of course, some Facebook ads, uh, social social media content strategies like blog posts and so forth. We added some uh, Google ads and, and PPC in general, search ads. Um, you know, there's also the server Sesnam uh, here, which is a popular alternative to Google. So PPC uh, and, and click ads on that server as well. What really kicked off for us was when we uh, when we dug into PR. So in the beginning, when we uh, when we had a quite a nice traction, there was an article that dropped uh, by Sesnam Sprave. Uh, which is the largest you know network of of uh, of news here in Czech Republic that really kickstarted us our servers got overloaded because over 11,000 people registered in within a couple of days wow. from that one article and the worst thing is we didn't even know they were writing it uh, you know they just they just wrote about us and suddenly <laughs> we're looking at our google analytics and we are like where is this traffic coming from what is happening um, so that's when we realized the power of PR and we dug a little deeper. We hired our own PR agency and we started, you know, communicating with media more and more. Um, there, that was, I would say, the turning point where our marketing got serious. And then from that, it was just, you know, your, your basic scaling. So we added uh, influencers, uh, partners, affiliate program. We went into more and more media. We tried radio. Uh, there is a tram in uh, Prague that goes around that is uh, that has invest down stickers all over it, um, and then some smaller campaigns here and there. But we we basically try to cover all types of media, whether you have print, uh, digital, audio, video. We try we try to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, which one seemed to work most for you? 
It, again, it's an it's a it's a very good question, but not one that has a straightforward answer because of the different target groups that we have, right? So, uh, you know, as I as I mentioned earlier, we've we've put Invest down together with everyone in mind, so we don't have one specific target group where that we aim at. That means that you know, for each different target group, we use a different channel that works best for acquisition. Mm -hmm. You know, your your younger people, your university students, you'll find them on TikTok and on Instagram these days, right? The young professionals they already have a have a career going, and that already uh, you know invest maybe with in, into some other products. We will find those on uh, LinkedIn uh, through PR, you know, articles and so forth. And then you have your big investors. And these are people that could actually easily afford, uh, you know, to buy an apartment, uh, but instead they choose to use Investown. They send millions of crowns into our platform because we make it so easy. We make it all carefree. They don't have to go around and scout for the perfect property. Uh, we do all of that, you know, for them. These people, uh, you know, the, they are the hardest to reach, obviously. It's usually word of mouth. It's usually networking events or, you know, very specifically targeted PR articles. Yeah, I'm very curious about how you find these uh, real estate to invest in. Because I think, you know, your application is an example of a marketplace where you need customers to invest in order to attract real estate partners. And then you, re you need real estate partners in order to attract customers. How did you deal with this chicken and egg problem? Yeah, uh, this was uh, one of our biggest challenges uh, in the beginning. So uh, as you said, it's always, you know, the problem is always you have either too many customers that are willing to invest, but they have nothing to invest in, or you have too many uh, real estate partners that are looking for funding and not enough people to invest in all of those projects. Uh, right now, I think we are at a, I want to say the closest that we have been to a sweet spot, uh, you know, with a lot of projects that are coming our way where we can pick, you know, the best for, for our customers and also a very large customer base that is hungry to invest in. In the beginning, we solved this by, you know, putting together a sales department that went out and started chasing real estate developers and partners. And we just uh, sort of did, did active sales, you know, we're like, hey, we are doing this and we can finance your, your product. Our main selling point when it comes to real estate developers is that, you know, more so in real estate than in any other industry, time equals money, right? Like if you if you have a good project and if you have a good uh, parcel, you know, you want to build your project. You don't want somebody else to swoop in and, and, and build their own project there. You want to do that. But to get funded, you know, you have to go through banking approvals and all of that can take months. In a, in a, in a best case scenario, you know, it's two to three months, but it's usually four to seven months. We've cut that process of validation for the funding down to three days. And that is invaluable to real estate developers. So, you know, in the beginning, we used this as a, as a sales technique. We just went out and we tried to hunt for them. Uh, right now, we just have partners coming to our door and knocking and say, hey, I've got this project. Can we finance it through you? So it, it all comes back to, you know, sort of building that brand, building that name, uh, sort of sales working together with marketing, right? Because what if there's one thing in marketing that every early stage uh, startup sucks at, it's brand building. You know, we all focus on getting our customers early. We all focus on performance marketing and everybody forgets that in the long run, that's not what's going to pay the bills. It's it's the brand building. So once that kicked in and we started being sold out by the partners, uh, 
you know, it, it just became a thousand times easier. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Uh, I want to move on to kind of fast forward to today. But I wonder how many customers you have each month investing and what do your financials look like? Uh, right. So we've been online for, uh, I believe, 17 months right now. In that time, we've had 60,000 investors that joined the platform and they invested a little over $35 million with us. We we really think that, you know, the timing was right, that the market was ready uh, for a product like that. And I think it really helped that we've built everything around the needs of the of the customers and they, you know, repay us by showing us a lot of love. Uh, right now, there is there is a bigger chance that somebody invests and they come back and invest 10 times that they never invest again. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, which really goes to show the retention on Investown is is amazing, and we're so grateful. Uh, we're so grateful to to all of our customers mm -hmm. and you know to our team alike because this is a testament to the really good job that the product and the marketing teams are doing. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, that's amazing. We are out of time, Peter, but I really want to thank you for a lot of great insights. You know, I think fintech is a very difficult industry and for you guys to have been only online for 17 months and to have built such an amazing brand is really good. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us.